So I want you to go to John chapter 15, verse 16. We're starting a brand new series today. And but we're still going to use this overarching scripture because it just goes so well with it. We just finished the series tagged. And I want you to read this verse out loud with me because it is so powerful to you. I want this ingrained in your spirit. I want it in you. I want you living and breathing the words of Jesus, what he said about you. So everybody come on, join me as we read this out loud together. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I and I appointed to go and produce so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. What Jesus was saying is what you're going to say to the person beside you. Tell him, tag your it. <laughs> We've been studying the life of Elijah. But remember your gift and your call is never about you and how everybody can tell you how wonderful you are. Your gift is always about the glory of God and about other people around you, every time. So Elijah is coming to the end of his, his time here on earth, and guess what God shows him to do? You remember he's in that depth of depression? What does God tell him to do? He tells him to go get up. I got an assignment for you. He said, there are 7,000 that hadn't bowed. There's some kings I want you to anoint, but there's specifically one guy I want you to tag, and his name is Elisha. And I want to take you to the scripture of where that happens. First Kings chapter 19. Let's look at this because we're going to talk about the life of Elisha now. Tag, you're it. 1 Kings 19, 19, you remember he comes out of that depression, Elijah does, and then here's what God says. He gives him instructions. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after him. Elijah. He ran for him. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? He's really telling, don't forget what I've done. Remember what just happened. Tag, you're it. Now, in the scripture, I want to show you something. You see a lot of uh, where God always shows mentorship. This is one of the most obvious stories of someone being tagged by someone. This is one of the most obvious stories of mentorship in, in the Bible. And scholars believe that uh, this event that took place, about, this was about six years before Elijah would be taken to heaven and God would take him in a chariot of fire and he would be taken up. He didn't die, he was taken up. This is about six years before that. And this guy Elijah knows this is getting ready to happen. In fact, people close to him know something's getting ready to happen. But there's something so important I want every person to hear is that Elijah knew that I can't take what I have with me. I must leave it for the next generation. And here's the greatest tragedy for a believer, for anybody, is to die 
with your gift in you and never give it away. Never give away what God has put in you and take it with you. So here's what I'm gonna tell you first of all before we get into this story. Listen, I want you to impart before you depart. There's so much in you. Impart your legacy while you're still living. The problem is, is you think so many times we think that we're the only ones that this whole company can be built on. I'm the only one that this church could ever make it is because of Sam Rifle. Can I just tell you, every one of us are temporary. <laughs> People tell me, some, some folks tell me, say, Pastor, I hope you never leave this place. I only want you to know, I'm temporary. And I say it to you is because you're temporary. And some people want to hang on to the job, hang on to the position, and never give it to somebody else because they fear that someone might outdo them. Someone might take the position. Can I tell you that your legacy needs to live on, and you need to be tagging someone. You need to be thinking about someone. And the greatest tragedy is when someone never gives away what God put in them. Don't let your gift and what God put in you die with you. You should be looking for someone else to invest it into. No matter what it is, you should be looking around you the whole time. You say, well, pastor, that's my problem. I don't know who I should invest, invest my, my life into. I, I don't know who I should. Uh, well, I like what Chip Ingram says. Uh, he says, you need to look for fat people. Little, little bit of a week, amen. I think we're going into Thanksgiving and we don't want to talk about that, right? But I love what he says. It's an acronym that stands for always look for somebody that is faithful, someone that is available, and someone that is teachable. If they're faithful and they're consistent, and you're going to see how this plays in in just a moment when I talk with you about the life of Elisha and Elijah. They've got to be faithful. Are they available? Are they there? And do they have a teachable, trainable spirit? Now, just as much as I'm telling you to start looking for someone to impart before you depart, there are all of us in this room that you need to learn before you lead. You have to be the one that's running after the Elijahs. You have to be the one looking for someone to challenge you. You need to be looking for someone who can give what they have inside of them and be hungry for it to be to be, to be taught, you got to be faithful, you got to be available, you got to be teachable. And I'll tell you, if you'll learn before you lead and you'll be faithful and available and teachable, I can tell you this, you will be unstoppable for the assignment God has on your life. Nothing will be able to stop you. And, and, and here, it, it's, I don't care what your age is. I don't know why some people think that they're a mentor when they finally hit 75, then I'm a wise sage. I get it, you've been around. But you ought to be at 75 years of age and still be a pliable teacher, mentee. If someone is not challenging you to be better than you are, to be more of what God's called you to be, I don't care if you're 80 years old and you are still not allowing someone to be challenging you, I promise you, you are probably not giving yourself away. Because people who give themselves away are always looking for God to keep bringing them to the next glory and the next glory and the next glory till they suck in their last breath. They always want to be taught. They want to learn. So what does this mean? That means I don't care what our age is here. You ought to be looking for what you have that God's imparted into you that I can give away to someone and I should always be looking for someone to teach me so that I can lead the way Jesus wanted me to lead. I love that. Go find those kind of people. Faithful, available, t 
unteachable. You'll be unstoppable. You say, well, who, who, do I, who do I impart my life into? I will promise you the best thing you do is listen to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. I love this. Walk with wise and you become what? Don't want to do stupid things. Just hang out with wise people. Associate with fools, you get in trouble. But there's a key word in all of this. It's the word walk. Walk. And that means it's got to be intentional about building relationship and finding the person who I can release myself to and being the person hungry enough to find that person that God will walk with, that will walk with you to bring all that God has in you. And here's what I love about this. You say, well, who do I look for? Well, let me tell you the fastest way to disaster is taking no one's advice and taking everybody's advice. So it means I've got to find someone that God is releasing into my life and someone that I see God can pour into my life from. I like, the I like their names. You remember Elijah's name? What did it mean? It meant Jehovah is my God. Jehovah is God. Jehovah is my God. There's, some, there's a reason why Elijah went for Elisha because Elisha's name means God is my salvation. That means these two guys were looking at each other and they were pursuing each other and they were looking for someone with a like-minded spirit. Not only is Jehovah his God and he sold out to him, but God is his salvation and he knows he's his only hope and he knows he's his destiny. I'm looking for somebody that has that like spirit that says, I want to pour into. And this story is about being tagged. What happens when someone says, tag, you're it? And I'm going to talk about this just for a moment because this is really an important piece about Elisha's life that a lot of believers overlook. But this is what brought him the great success and victory of being who he was, Elisha. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Three things I want you to just identify in this. When Elijah sees Elisha, there's something here that's so important. Is he finds somebody that's reliable in the routine of the day. I think sometimes we're looking for people that are have a lot of charisma, or we look for someone that has uh, that 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 that, uh, that they just seem like they're real. Uh, they just love hanging out with people, or they got a real good, you know, they got a, they can engage people well. No, 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 no. Or they, or they do something wonderful, and God uses them this one time. We look for that big ah oh, moment. No, God looks for people that are just simply reliable in the routine of the day. Let me show you verse nineteen. Let's go. Let's look. Go there. It says so. Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was, he was what everybody. He was what. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. He found a guy that was a farmer doing the routine of the day. Our problem is, is we live in a culture in the United States <laughs> where we despise the ordinary. We live in a culture that everybody has to be a star and everybody must get a trophy, and everybody's got to drive TikTok to see how many views they have, and they're crushed and devastated when someone didn't share their video. We live in a culture that we have created where we despise ordinary people. I want you to know I wasn't raised in this great line of preachers that all of a sudden I had preachers in my background and, and uh, I, I come from this great line of Assemblies of God preachers. I've got the Assembly of God logo tattooed on my arm and that's where I am today. No, no, no. I came from a janitor. My dad was a janitor. 
I cleaned toilets. That's what I did. Clean toilets. My grandfather practiced black magic. It's amazing what God looks for and he uses. We despise ordinary things and God uses this ordinary farmer and he says, I see something in that farmer. God is his salvation. He saw that. Think about that. This guy wasn't the son of a prophet or a priest. He wasn't, he wasn't a monk. He was a farmer. He wasn't out preaching. Guess what he's doing? He was living at home with his parents, working his dad's farm. That's what he was doing. See, we think these, it's these super, no, it was this ordinary guy, reliable in the routine, faithful guy. This is why so many believers don't ever get used. They want to always hold, everybody wants to hold the microphone. <laughs> I like something Bishop Jake said. He said, don't ask for my anointing if you don't want to fight my demons. Stay out of it. Stay out of it. Unless you're ready to take on the demons, don't ask for it. Those don't ask for it. This guy was just working hard. He was, listen, Elijah was working a hard, boring, monotonous job, and all he did all day was smell oxen. Every day, same thing. Every day, go out, feed the oxen, yoke them up, go out to the field. All the guy did all day long was stare at an ox's rear the whole day long. That's what he did. And he didn't even get the front part of the rear. He got the front part of the oxen. He got the rear of the oxen. You're getting blessed all day long. Do you, are you listening to what I'm saying? North Point Bible College students, can you grab a hold of this if you want to go in the ministry? Sometimes you just got to face some ox's rears for a long, long time. Please don't use me and say, that's, it's fine to aspire to things, but this guy, day in, day out, all he's smelling is an ox, and all he's looking at is an ox's rear all day long and he was reliable to stare at that ox's rear day after day, day after day, day after day, smelling the ox, picking up that, shoveling up the ox, doing it, feeding the ox, and he, God was watching him having to smell an ox's rear for years, but most believers don't want to do that. Let me ask you something. Do some of you feel like you're staring at an ox's rear every morning? You're going back to work Monday. You met your quota for last week. I got to do it all over again. TGIF, man. I can forget though at homework, forget those studies. I'm going to get up and do the next thing the next day. I got to read some more papers, do some more term papers. I just want to feel like giving up. You're tired of looking at the oxes rear. You just want to drop out. Hmm. Got to go to the same job, same boss. I'm sick of this. Why can't I do what so-and-so does? That's, I want to do that. Sometimes God will just let you sit there and look at that ox. I'm not calling your boss an ox's rear. I'm just telling you, okay, don't, don't say, my pastor says you're an ox's rear, man. Problem is most people don't want to do that. You're a parent. All you saw was 
You watched so many episodes of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, you thought that's what I want, and now all you're doing is changing dirty diapers, doing kids' laundries, gotta make mac and cheese again with weenies chopped up in it. I'm sick of this life. Top, we're having ramen noodles. I can't take this anymore, can, can I tell you? And now you're, you're losing your passion for what God has because your job is an ox's rear job and you don't like it, but God is watching you in those ox rear times. Don't lose your passion even when you're staring at oxen. You be the best diaper change. You be the best student. You be the best plumber. You be the best hamburger flipper. You be the best server. You be the best waiter. I don't care how many years God's got you staring at the back end of an ox's rump. You keep on walking and you keep on walking because God is watching. God uses people that are reliable in the routine. Plowing time is preparing time. Can you say it with me, everybody? Tired of this dead-end job. And what God is watching is, will you be faithful? Will you be reliable? Step after step. Smell after smell. And that's what God was found, a guy whose God is my salvation. I know God orders my steps, and part of my steps are staring at this oxen rear because this plowing time is preparing time. And have you noticed that God encounters and uses people who are usually busy in the Scripture? They are people disciplined to do the routine of the day. Think about it. Everybody wants to be a star. Everybody wants to be a hero. Everybody wants a trophy. But look at the people of God. When he found Gideon, what was he doing? He was threshing grain at a floor. When he found Samuel, he was serving in a tabernacle. When he found David, he was caring for stinky sheep and nobody saw him out there while he was playing his harp, taking care of sheep and blowing kisses to God out in the fields. When he found the disciples, what were they doing? Four of them were managing fishing businesses, taking care of the routine of stinky fish, scaling fish, smell like fish. My wife says I stink like fish, but I'm going to stay with this routine every single day. He found one guy who was collecting taxes, and God says, every person I use, I better find busy because I have a low tolerance for lazy people. Amen. Low tolerance. Elijah, when he found him, what did he found? God is my salvation, and I believe that here smelling stinky oxen rears and staring at them year after year is what God's purpose is in my life right now, and I will be faithful to it. You know why God doesn't use some people? Because they're not reliable when all you got to do is stare at an ox's rear for years. But God has nothing good to say about lazy people. Mm-mm. He says, just at least look at the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> I love what Paul says to the Christians in Colossae. Look what he says to him, Colossians 3.23. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whatever you do, what do we do it with? Work at it with what, everybody? All your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive, you will receive, you will receive, you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
It's not that dirty diaper, that child's dirty diaper you're serving. It's, it's, it's not flipping that burger. It's not the routine of stocking that same shelf. It's not the same routine of meeting the quota. He says, you are serving the Lord and I am watching because I find people who are reliable in the routine and in one moment, all of a sudden I can say, now's your time. It's time for your promotion. It's time for you to change. I'm going to put my hand on you because I see you're reliable in the routine. You know why some people never get used in churches? Because they're just not reliable. Hard to be reliable when you show up once a month. God bless you. You're dismissed. That's it. That's all I got today. God bless you. Just be reliable. Just be faithful. If you're asking why doesn't God use me, it's because he's been watching you how you're dealing with the ox's rear. Hmm. That's like saying ox's rear. I don't cuss, but I can say, hey, ox rear. <laughs> I shouldn't have had that energy drink. I should have left that alone. Amen. That's not the anointing. Stop it. Okay. Here's the deal. Be reliable in the routine. Say it with me. Reliable in the routine. Here's the second thing that God uses people when they're tagged. You ready? They obey without delay. There is a moment that you are faithful to the ox's rear that God has you facing for years. Nobody sees you. You're all by yourself. It's just you and God. But there's going to come a time when he says, and you're going to know, this is the time of God's movement in my life. Look what happens. Verse 21. So Elisha left him, left Elijah, went back. Watch this. He went back to his family. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. I love this. He slaughtered them slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Notice what happened here everybody. The first thing that begins to happen is he immediately he immediately obeys God. He knows this is God. He knows this man Elijah. Elisha has watched him and he knows this is the moment. And here's what he did. He immediately obeyed and didn't delay. Can I just throw this in here? Delayed obedience is disobedience. It's disobedience. Because so many times what happens is, is we win all the details. Elisha didn't sit there and go, okay, now before I get involved with you, are you going to have another one of these emotional mental breakdowns, Elijah, like you just had because this woman said something over here? Excuse me, um, do I get one of those nice furry mantles you got there, that nice beautiful, do I get one of those when I join the company? What's the pay scale? What's the remuneration? Is there health care? Oh, what neighborhood will I have? You know, I really like these apartments on this side of town. See, so many times people delay because all the details are not there so they stop and delay because all the details are not there for them. He immediately, he didn't sit there and weigh the pros and cons, say, okay, here are the pros, here are the cons. He's not saying that's wrong, 
But he didn't, he didn't go say, well, let, let, me, let me check with all these other people first. Sure, there's great counsel. He didn't ask about the salary. He just simply said, I trust and I know that this is God. I know this is God, and I'm instantly in. I'm in. He just went without all the details. Do you know that through the scripture you find people doing these kind of things when they know that they know this is beyond the shadow of a doubt, God's time for me. I've been watching the ox for a long time. I know this is God. Look at Abraham. Look at Abraham. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews 11.8. It says, it was, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land and God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was a foreigner living in tent. What does this mean? That's code language for anytime God wants me to move, I'm moving. I'm gonna follow God, I'm gonna be faithful, but I'm gonna follow God. It says he went, he left, he left the pagan background of his family, left his country, left his family, and God said, just go to a land I'm showing you, and he just started walking. Where are you going? Don't know. When you're going to get there, I'll know it when I arrive. He's living in tent like a foreigner. You know, people sometimes sit back, and when I first started pastor's church, you know, I'm coming in my 17th year, Pastor Brendan and I, we first came here, I can't believe we've been, you know, I just, it's been a great, just, just been great, God's favor. But people used to ask me, what's your long-term plan here? What's your long-term plan? And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, could I at least, when I give, if, if you're calling me to this city, let me not just be married to the church, let me be married to the land. And I asked God, I said, God, could I at least, could Pastor Bruno and I have at least 20 years there to do, make an impact? I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna be reliable. Just at least give me that. I've been negotiating with him for, for more, not less, but I just, but I feel, I still got it, still got it. Um, but people would ask me when I started out, what's your plan? And I'd work on these plans. I mean, I'd work on these plans. I'd have my one-year plan, my three-year plan, my five-year plan. And God just sat back and just chuckled at me. He just chuckled. And I had all these things I wanted certain ways that I'd just well, hit this thread, hold this thread. And he just goes, <sighs> Most of the things that God has given us success of this church, can I tell you? They were things that happened in the moment that I immediately knew and leadership felt the exact same thing when I processed with them, that there's something that left in them that very moment. Didn't make sense, but we knew this is it. City serve was one phone call when somebody says, have you ever thought about this? And something left, I kept looking and the leap wouldn't go away and the leap wouldn't leave our leaders. And now today, it's less than, been almost just a little over a year We've got over 60 churches now that have onboarded that are now serving people in their communities. Almost $3 million worth of retail product has been released, everybody. You're going to hear more about it next, in the beginning of the year. That all happened. North Point Bible College, in the middle of a recession. You say, why do we have this Bible? Blame this guy right here. J.P. Dorsey. Tom, Tom Gallant, are you in here, Tom? Tom There's Tom Gallant, used to be our former CFO. He says, hey, want to have a conversation with this guy, J.P. Dorsey. Did you say, J.P. Morgan? I said, I'll take J.P. Morgan, because I know that guy's got money. <laughs> J.P. Dorsey, he said, Pastor, what do you think? 
not knowing that 30 years before that, the pastor of this church, Pastor Wayne Benson, God put in his heart to have a place where we would raise up and send out leaders in full-time ministry across the nation and the world. And it was just an but in the middle of the recession, one conversation, and today we have an amazing, thriving Bible college full of, here's some of our students sitting over here, growing. Pastor Trent and his wife Kayla, now they're leading our, and, just, and it all happened in the middle of a recession. I'm telling you that there's something I'm trying to tell you. Is you, most things that have happened here have happened in listening to the voice of the Spirit. And I used to have all these big grand plans, and then God just just listen, watch, listen, watch, listen, watch. And I've de I've decided I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit's plan a whole lot better than Pastor Sam's plan. I'm I'm following that one. How many of you love it? How many of you go across this walkway bridge over here? How many of you ever been across that bridge over there? Raise your hand if you've been across that bridge. Do you know that bridge? When I first came here, there were a lot of things that needed to be done with the facilities. I mean, a lot of things needed to be done. And we had, uh, I don't know, close to $2 million uh, worth of indebtedness on a building over here. And, and, and I just thought, you know, people kept complaining about ripped up carpets and things that needed to be done. And we were taking the best care of everything. And so I had this in my mind for this big plan. Big plan. <laughs> big plan. And this is the strategy. And and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this first, and do this first. And then, you know, but people were getting lost through the building, and the bridge was phase four, I think. Phase four. I'm in the middle of all this. Holy Spirit wakes me up, and I look at Britain, and I said, I think the Holy Spirit told me to do this, but I want to make sure I'm not crazy. What do you think? She says, Sam, that's it. I said, well, I'm going to go to the leadership of the board and see if they think I'm crazy. I said, I feel like we're supposed to take all the money and cancel the debt, and God will take care of the rest. Just cancel the debt. Let's, let's stop everything. So we got ripped up carpet. Let's just cancel the debt. Let's, just, let's follow the Lord. Let's see what he says. And in the middle of recession, uh, we not only saw a Bible college get started, we, we canceled out the debt of the church. Watch this. And then phase four became phase one. When a lady showed up here crying because she couldn't find her child and didn't know how to get back to the nursery, I said, Holy Spirit says, don't let that happen anymore. But how are we going to get fixed over here? Brenda saw downtown, there was this place called G-Lock and saw this glass bridge sitting on a side road at a company for a year and a half. She said, Sam, call them, see what they're going to do with that bridge. I said, they're not going to, I am not going to bother those people. I just got to tell you the story because you got immediate obedience. I said, I'm not calling them. They're going to use that bridge. Come to find it was a bridge that connected the hospital over here to another building. I'm not going to call them. They're going to do something with that. It was a year and a half later, Tom, we were driving downtown. Brenda says, Tom, pastor will not call them. Would you call them and see what they're going to do with that bridge? Pastor Tom called him and he said, you're not going to believe this, but we were just talking about this bridge today and we were getting ready to scrap metal that building. We were talking about it today, that bridge. Do you all want it? They gave us a bridge that cost us a quarter million dollar bridge to build and they gave it to us free. Free, they gave it to us. Free. Free. Free free and they didn't charge enough charges enough to haul it and so they ended up paying more to get rid of it <laughs> and it just so happened to fit 
right in between the two buildings, and God built that for us. Now, my point is, friends, is too many of us are fixating on the future, and you want all the little details to play in place. Would you stop fixating on the future? That this got to be right, and this got to be right, 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 this got to be right. Would you stop fixating on the future and start responding in the present when God says, I want you to do this, and I want you to do it now. Don't negotiate. It's something God's telling you. It is time to get up and rise, and that's exactly what Elisha did, and that's what God requires out of us is complete, total, radical obedience. Can someone say amen or me? Just <laughs> Obey without delay. Can you say that with me? And not only, is, not only is delayed obedience disobedience, but obey and go all the way. Partial obedience is disobedience. Look what it says in verse 21. It says, he took the yoke, what, he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plows, the equipment, he cooked the meat, he burned the plow equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Could you imagine? It's like selling your company and then when you're gonna sell your company, you throw a celebration for everybody with all the proceeds. That's what he did. He didn't say, I'm gonna go... A little way, well, we'll have this to fall back on. He went all the way with God. This is the problem with so many of us is we give God partial obedience, not complete obedience. We give him little compartments of our life, but not totally sell out to him. He burnt, he took the plow. Look at this. He had a plow burning faith. He said, I'm gonna take the plow, I'm gonna take my yoke oxen, and I'm gonna make some smoked brisket. We're gonna have some nice fillets and some oxtail soup, and you're gonna have a great time. He's selling out to the will of God. He said, I'm never going to, and look, listen, folks, let me tell you what, this, this was a big step of faith for him. He didn't know what the provision was going to be, and by all probability, he came from an extremely wealthy family. You remember, there were 12 yoke of oxen, not just his oxen, there were 20, it's like having 24 John Deere tractors because they're big farmers, corporate farmers. They were wealthy, absolutely wealthy. Well, if it doesn't work without Elijah, why don't you keep these oxen just in case you have something to fall back on? He said, I'm selling out all the way. There is no plan B, it's plan A, and I'm following God. Can I tell you, sometimes when you walk towards your destiny, you have to walk away from security. Every one of the disciples walked away from security. They said, we'll do whatever we do. We'll give our own lives for this. Here's what God's saying. Delay without obey and go all the way. Go all the way to God. Sell out to what God wants. Maybe you're here and you're about ready to cash in on your marriage and say, I'm done with this marriage. And God's telling you, no, I want you to stay. I want you to stay. I want you to stay. Maybe God's telling you today, right now, you need a healing in your body. You say, well, just forgive up on trusting God and go into doctors. God says, no, I want you to pray and trust, trust, trust. There are probably business ideas sitting in this room right now. And you just been, you, you're just like the person that sits there, ready, aim, 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 aim. Aim, 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 aim. This is the 11th year of aiming. There's a business idea, and God say, now, time to start. I put the right people in your path. It's time to start. Take it. I don't know. Maybe God's speaking to a family that it's time for you to start adopting children. You say, I don't know financially we can make it. I don't know if we're going to make it. I, maybe God's telling you it's time for you to get married. Pull the trigger. It's time for you to marry this person. God sent them to you. They're righteous. They're holy. Yeah, but pastor, my goodness, I don't think I can make it. Come on. Two can live as cheap as one. Just half as long, but they can live as cheap as one. 
Some of you need to get committed to church. You're only going partial. You've been jumping to five different churches this year. Three churches, two churches, never committed to a place. Those who are planted beside the river are what's going to grow is what the word tells us. Those who are planted, they're planted, they're planted. Grow. Go, go, go to the membership class today. Grow in the Lord. Get committed. Find a place where you can get behind the vision and commit to it. Yeah, but sometimes when I get in that place, I see ox's rears. I know. But you keep on plowing with the ox's rears until God uses you. Some of us are playing partial with God. You want to live in sin and never sell out to God. Sell out to God. Be white hot on fire for God. Give it all to him. Go all the way. Sell out to him. Sell out to Jesus Christ. Put away the addictions. Put away the stuff and say, I'm selling out to Jesus. I'm going all the way. Obey and don't delay. Say that with me, church. Obey and don't delay. Come on, here's the last thing I want to give you. He ran after him. And your pursuit determines your fruit. What you pursue is what you respect. And you never possess what you will not pursue. And you will never pursue what you do not respect. This guy had such a high respect for God and for the man of God that he ran after. Look at the fruit of Elisha. We're gonna go through some of these things in the study of Elisha, but look at the fruit of this guy. He had twice as many miracles than Elijah ever did. <clears throat> did you know that? The guy parted the Red Sea, dry ground to walk across on. This guy raised the dead. I mean, just a few of them. He made an ax head that fell off of an ax handle, fell into, the, fell into the water, and he made it float up out of the water. A bunch of preachers were making stew. One put, got something poisonous in it, and he purified the, purified the poisonous stew. He took one army, the Aramean army, that came to attack him and destroy him. He struck every one of those Arameans blind, and then later restored their sight back to him. This guy was constantly, constantly, because of his pursuit, it determines fruit. But listen to this. Before Elijah was taken to heaven, he asked Elisha a question. Let's go to verse, chapter two, uh, 2 Kings 2, verse 9. <clears throat> Elijah said, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you? Before I am taken from you, watch this, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. This, is, this, is, this, this was the law of the, of the firstborn blessing. The firstborn got double of everything. He says, give me a double portion of your spirit. Elisha replied, you have asked a difficult thing. Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, you will not. This guy pursued. Now look what he's looking for. He says, give me a double portion, not of your signs and wonders, not of your miracles. He said, I want a double portion of the spirit you have. He was not looking for performance that he could immediately put on social media, if you will. What he was looking for is there's a hunger in you, Elijah, to go after God. In your darkest moments, there's a pursuit for you to love God and to stand up for God. In your private time, you've, that's what I want. I want that hunger you have for God, the pursuit you have for God. I want your spirit. He wasn't asking for the miracles. He wasn't asking for the pay raise. He was saying, I want the spirit of hungering and thirsting for God. Here's the deal. Somebody else could have had that too. 
but they weren't willing to pursue it. Look at this in verse 7. It said, 50 men from the company of the prophets, so they were all together, went and stood at a distance. They said, we heard, your, 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 we heard that Elijah is going to be taken away. <clears throat> and look what they said. He says, yes, it's going to happen. But it says, they facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped on the Jordan. Now watch this. 50 did not receive the double portion because they sat there and just watched them but never engaged them. I have walked through many moves of God where some people, the move of God can be happening and people just simply watch and participate. They watch and participate. They just watch but never participate in worship and they stand from a distance. Can I tell you, long distance relationships will not work with God. They will not work with God. They stood at a distance. And that's the same thing you always see with the people of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, when you see Moses and he's up there on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments from God and the people are watching and there's fire and there's clouds and there's darkness all the way around it and this loud voice of God is speaking. And, and then the elders, the leaders, they said, hey, look, now we know that man can actually <clears throat> see God, talk with God and live. We now know it. But they said, tell you what, Moses, you go talk to him. We'll sit over here and you just come tell us what he said. We'll be an echo. No, God's tired of echoes. He's looking for people that are his voice and not an echo. And so this is the reason why in Psalm 103, verse 7, he says, he revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. Elisha was not pursuing the miracles of Elijah. He was pursuing the presence of God that was inside of Elijah's spirit. I want him. And can I tell you, the presence of God will keep you, but the performance of God will not keep you. And two men say, well, God, if you're really there, well, then do this, and then do this, and do this, and do this, and, and do this, and do this. God's performance will not keep your faith, but the presence of God will sustain and keep your faith. The presence of God. He said, that's what I want. I don't care what else happens. I want the spirit God's put in you. Some of us, it's about pursuing a mentor in your life. It's about going after a mentee that God's telling you, I want you to give yourself to. But can I tell you what this really is about? It's about God, I want the spirit that is in them that makes them hunger for you. Because everything comes out of that relationship of hungering with you. I don't want your deeds, Father. I want the character. I want the character, the nature of God. Church, how many believe God is tagging us and we're going to be reliable? We're going to obey and we're going to pursue. Amen.